When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan and welcome to our Tuesday edition of the Orange or Brown Talk podcast as we kick off draft week with our Hey Mary Kay edition of the podcast. And well, we're kicking off draft week by talking a lot of Baker Mayfield. Our Football Insider subscribers had plenty of questions about Baker and his future if a trade could happen this week for Mary Kay. So we start off with that and then we get into a little bit of draft in the second half of the pod. We got a big week of draft coverage coming your way. So you've got to be a Football Insider subscriber. You've got to subscribe to this podcast too. First and foremost, Football Insider, cleveland.com slash browns. It's the blue banner at the top of the page. You get a newsletter delivered to your inbox every single day. You get access to exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash browns, and you can become one of our text subscribers. The other thing, subscribe to this podcast. Now, that one's free. You just go to any of your uh, podcast apps, so Apple Podcasts, Spotify, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts, search for Orange and Brown Talk, because we'll have a lot of good draft content coming your way on those feeds as well. So, Again, subscribe to both. Football Insider is at cleveland.com slash browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. The podcast, anywhere you listen to your podcasts. All right, let's do it. Our Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. And here we go. It is draft week on Tuesday, our Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Finally draft week, Mary Kay, between the Deshaun Watson stuff, and just the Browns not having a first-round pick anymore. I know it has, I don't want to say it snuck up on me. We've obviously been aware of it, but uh, it certainly has sort of gotten here quickly or more quickly than it's felt in past years. And I think there's probably no other sign of the times than here we are on draft week. And a lot of the questions we got from Football Insider subscribers were about Baker Mayfield. <laughs> so we did get draft questions. We're going to get to some of those uh, a little bit later, but let, let's just start with Baker. So we got two here. Uh, one from Paul Spencer, our buddy in New York City, and another one from Megan, who sends us a lot of questions as well in Akron. Uh, Paul asks, uh, hey, Mary Kay, what odds would you give Baker Mayfield being traded during the draft? So we'll start with that, and then we'll get to Megan's question. You know, I would say there's probably about a 50% chance that Baker Mayfield will get dealt during the draft. And that really is going to come down to whether or not, for the most part, the Panthers decide to trade for him. Obviously, we know they have the number six overall pick. They've looked hard at Kenny Pickett. They've looked hard at Malik Willis. And if they get one of those guys, then there's a pretty good chance then they might not try to draft trade for Baker Mayfield they might in that scenario go with Sam Darnold and their young guy and see how it goes Uh, so that's something to keep an eye on I mean by the sixth pick in the draft we might have a pretty good idea if Baker Mayfield is getting dealt or not Uh, so definitely something to watch but I'm going to put it at at 50 50 because even though we've known all along uh, that the Panthers have this number six overall pick I still have heard Uh, that they have been interested in Baker Mayfield because they feel that out of anybody that they have right now or could get right now, they could put him in there and let him start some games and try to hit the ground running and go out and win some football. So the Panthers are in a really tough spot because obviously they still need a quarterback. 
maybe in a perfect world, they wouldn't want to necessarily win a bunch of games this year and maybe solve their quarterback position next year. But Matt Rule is probably on the hot seat a little bit. David Tepper is a pretty impatient owner. This is a difficult position for them. Now, David Tepper, we also know all the the pit um, connections there that maybe he just really wants Kenny Pickett. But the the question from uh, Megan was, Hey, Mary Kay, do you think Baker will be off the roster by this time next week? I mean, is that really what it's going to come down to if the Panthers decide to pick a quarterback or not? Is it kind of Panthers or bust? You know what? I don't know if it's Panthers or bust. I think there might be another team or two just kind of laying in the weeds just to see what happens in this draft weekend. And if the Panthers don't get him, Uh, then I do think that there is a chance that maybe the Seahawks could get interested. Uh, I don't know what the latest is on Geno, but at one point, the Geno Smith trade didn't actually go through. Now, maybe it's gone through since then. But but anyways, or the the signing of Geno Smith. I I think it did ultimately. There was something weird. Ultimately, it did. I think it ultimately did go through last week. But I still don't know if that precludes the acquisition of Baker Mayfield for them. If they look at Baker Mayfield and, and discover that perhaps the Browns are willing to do something where you mess around with some draft picks a little bit, you do some NBA style creativity and uh, you know, and you mess with those numbers a little bit so that the, the team that's taking him on doesn't have to pay the whole 18.86 million. I think somebody will get interested in that scenario. There could be teams that, are just kind of hanging out and waiting to see what happens and could jump in and get interested a team that we haven't even heard about yet. Yeah. So you're kind of leading us to our next question too. So this segues perfectly to drew from garden Valley, Idaho. Like I said, we got a bunch of Baker Mayfield questions. Hey, Mary Kay, are the Browns going to have to do a Brock Osweiler type trade uh, at, during or after the draft in order to close the door on the Baker era and ensure he doesn't land you know, in Pittsburgh, if they were to cut him. Um, And my first thought on this was maybe, but this sort of feels like the $18 million and maybe not wanting to eat a bunch of that. I don't think this team's in a position where they necessarily want to give up draft capital right now. No, they really don't. I mean, my goodness, Um, the Browns have traded away six picks just in the Deshaun Watson trade. And we know that this is a front office that likes to acquire picks, uh, that likes to have those extra assets. Uh, So I don't really think that they want to do that that much. Mm -hmm. However, having said that, I do think that they are motivated to try to move Baker Mayfield. Now, Andrew Barry has said, and he reiterated it when we talked to him last week, that if he keeps Baker Mayfield for quarterback depth, so be it. He's, he's willing to do that. Uh, he absolutely 100% uh, will keep him around for good quarterback depth, and, and he'll be on the roster. Now, does that mean he's going to be the um, – does that mean he's going to be the backup quarterback in the event that Deshaun Watson gets suspended? No, that's Jacoby Brissett. But the Browns actually did get down into their depth last year. They played Nick Mullins for a game. So sometimes you do have to get into uh, your number three quarterback. And let's just say, for instance, that Deshaun Watson gets suspended for four games, five, six games, whatever. And then Jacoby Brissett gets hurt. You know, if you had Baker Mayfield around, it might not be the worst thing in the world. And he would just have to basically go out there and play some good football. Yeah, I, 
do not believe for a second that Baker Mayfield will ever wear a Browns uniform again, but just in that scenario you, you laid out, this kind of goes with like that pendulum has swung so far the other way on Baker, I think, because people just want to be right and take their victory laps. There's not a world where Josh Dobbs is a better option than Baker Mayfield. Now, maybe in Cleveland, maybe here they would say, no, we've got him stashed on the roster because we can't trade him. We're not going to put him in a uniform and play him. We can't do that. I could understand that. But just on a strictly put the players next to each other, no extenuating circumstances, Josh Dobbs is not a better quarterback than Baker Mayfield. That being said, maybe this team would still, and I could certainly understand it, just say, Baker, stay away. We're going to let Josh Dobbs play a game. You know what? I don't think they would cut off their nose to spite their face. To be honest with you, if you're trying to hold down the fort and keep open your chances of making the playoffs, and if you think Baker Mayfield gives you the best chance to win a football game, then I think they would start Baker Mayfield. Again, it's a long shot. This is a real long shot that we're talking about right now. But in the event they needed to do it, I think they would do it. And why? Because he knows the system now, but like the back of his hand. He has a good offensive line in front of him, a good defense, a good running game. And now he's got some talent that he didn't have before, including an Amari Cooper and whoever else they get in the draft. So I would think, and Baker Mayfield will be healthy. So I would think that, uh, you know, it might not be the worst thing in the world if you had to start him for a game or two. Actually, I'm not even certain that Jacoby Brissett would be better than Baker Mayfield. I mean, maybe Baker Mayfield... Now, they wouldn't do, do that. I don't think they would do that. I think Jacoby's their number two, and that's where they would go with that. But I think there would be something to be said for Baker Mayfield having all those conditions around him, being so much better than they were last year, and being successful uh, in this offense if they had to press him into service. I still feel like it's too complicated. Would Baker even do that? He'd have to. He would have to. I'll tell you why. Because now Baker needs to rebuild his image off the field. He needs to rebuild his career on the field. So to have an opportunity to go out there and play a football game with this offense and that defense, absolutely, you would want to go get some good tape out there. Because your tape last year, what do people remember about Baker Mayfield from the end of last year? The Green Bay game, which was on national television on Christmas Day, four interceptions, horrible game by Baker Mayfield. And then he comes back and plays against the Pittsburgh Steelers and gets sacked nine times. Some of those sacks were his own fault, as we now could see on film. And he got five passes batted down. So he was exposed in in a few ways in that game too. So he needs to put that behind him. If he had a chance to go out and win a game or two, he needs to take that opportunity. Let me ask this question. What's more likely? Baker gets traded this weekend or Baker is still on the roster. I'm not going to go as far as training camp. Let's, let's hold on to that. Baker is still on the roster for mandatory minicamp. Uh, you is, know what? Just, just so people know that's in the middle of June. Yeah, that's in the middle of June. Now here's the thing. Here's the thing, Dan, that I think uh, makes this kind of intriguing and interesting. Most quarterbacks don't get hurt until the season starts. So if no team decides that they want him this weekend or shortly after this weekend, we're talking like a couple days, like we did something in the draft or we didn't do something in the draft. And now we're going to do this related to the draft. 
If it doesn't happen then, I don't know when it's going to happen. That's when I think it would almost stretch into the season and that you would have to wait for a quarterback to go down with a torn ACL or a ruptured Achilles or a torn patella tendon or something else. Uh, Because I don't know who's getting hurt unless it's a water skiing accident between now and the start of the season. So if they don't move him, and they should probably get motivated to do so, if they don't move him within the next five, six days, it could be a a long road. Well, that would be interesting. (laughs) Yes. If uh, if we're still talking about uh, Bay, I mean... I think we're always going to be talking about Baker, at least in the immediate future. It's always going to be a topic, especially if he ends up in Carolina and the Browns play Carolina this year. But um, it would be very much more interesting if he even were on the roster. Um, All right, let's see here. We kind of touched on this one about maybe the Browns eating Baker, some of Baker's contract, um, if that would make a deal get done. But here's one from Scott Mandel in Los Angeles. And this is the, this, I guess this is one of the reasons that that gives me pause for if for some reason Baker were on the roster and they needed him to play. Uh, Scott says, Hey, Mary Kay, I'm amazed that no Browns players have publicly come out in support of Baker Mayfield. Unlike what happened when OBJ was released. What are your thoughts on this? Well, quite frankly, I'm very surprised that no one has done that. Because there were a lot of players that were in Baker Mayfield's corner. And Dan, just like you say, that the pendulum has swung to the point where, you know, Baker went from being a playoff quarterback to people thinking that he, had, he should be playing in the USFL right now. I think the pendulum has swung equally from thinking that all these players followed the Pied Piper of Baker Mayfield to now everybody hates him. I don't think all of his teammates hate him. I I really, truly don't think that's the case. I think there are plenty of of players on this team that still believe in Baker Mayfield. The guys like Nick Chubb, Joel Batonio, Wyatt Teller, guys that have blocked for him, have watched him play hurt, guys that have just gone to bat for him and were willing to, to do whatever it takes to help him be successful. But the fact that none of them have come out in support of him vocally, that does surprise me a little bit because I think they should have. I think he's out there on an island right now and could use a little verbal support from some of those guys that believed in him. And why aren't they doing that? Well, you know what? They might not want uh, to give the illusion that they're not supporting Deshaun Watson. I mean, you have to be so careful about what you say at this time. I mean, it's a, a very, very delicate situation, especially because Deshaun Watson has the background that he does. And I'm sure guys don't want to make it seem like they're not on board with him. So I think people are just kind of being careful, being cautious, not saying too much right now, but you would think that there, there have been opportunities over the last couple of months for some of his teammates to come out and say something nice about Baker Mayfield. Yeah, and, and I don't know, maybe we'll see something once it all kind of ends and, and there's some finality to it. Um, but, I, I mean, there are people in that locker at least it appears there's people in that locker room that like the Mayfields. And, I mean, the tellers uh, posted a picture of why it's not on it's on, uh, on social media, but the tellers posted a photo of, uh, Carly Teller posted a photo of the Mayfields and the tellers at a concert together, like a couple days before Baker has to be traded. So, mm-hmm you know, there, there's people out there that 
I think have friendships and relationships with the Mayfields, but they just haven't been public about it much to this point yet. Yeah. And you know what? I mean, even think about this, Dan, and maybe you've seen some of these things and I've missed them, but have you even seen any of Baker Mayfield's teammates congratulating him for the statue unveiling? I don't, I don't, I haven't seen anything. I was, I, I honestly wasn't on Twitter a ton this weekend, um, but I didn't see anything. I mean, I didn't notice a lot. Maybe, you know, Baker's not posting a lot on Instagram or Twitter right now either. So maybe that's part of it. Like maybe there would have been some likes, like I'm sure like if he would have put up a, a post on Instagram, right. there would have been some likes or something. I'm going to look right now live on the air. I'm going to see if Baker right. has posted anything um, to his Instagram. And you know what, Dan, I, and I don't even know if they did this or not either. Uh, but do, did you happen to notice, and you're right. I think we kind of, you know, you get involved in some things over the weekend and then you start catching back up on a few other things on Monday, but I don't even know that the Browns congratulated Baker Mayfield for the statue unveiling. And well, if they... very, this is something I did follow on Twitter. There were fans who were hoping they would wish him a happy birthday on, on Twitter last week. That was, <laughs> a, that was a kind of a joke on Twitter among some Browns fans. Would they wish him a happy birthday? And I don't think they did. That would no. be a little awkward, but yeah, I mean, it did. This is what struck me over the weekend is like last year at this time, Mm-hmm. We probably would have had like five reporters in Oklahoma for the spring game covering that statue unveiling. And mm-hmm. this year it was kind of like, yeah, okay. He's, yeah. I mean, he's sort of, he's still a Brown, but it's not, he's not, you know, we, we don't cover him like he's a Cleveland Brown anymore. Now, speaking of the statue unveiling, and I just, I laughed so <laughs> hard about this when my husband, I showed it to my husband and he said, that's Paul Horning from the Packers. And I just, I, I had to like Google image him and make sure that, uh, that I remembered what he looked like, the Hall of Famer. And I laughed so hard about that. So you guys leave us something in the comments. Paul Horning, is that who this is? Did they just like use Paul Horning's image? I mean, that is so funny. Go look at it and see what you think. But I mean, if the, if the Browns did not congratulate Baker Mayfield for the statue unveiling, I think that shows you just how bad things have gotten between Baker Mayfield and the Cleveland Browns. And I find that to be sad and I'm not saying it's anybody's fault. Okay. It's both, you know, I think both sides have some things that if they could do them over Andrew Barry told us what he would like to have back, he would have told Baker's agents, Hey, we're going down to Houston. Um, And Baker, I don't know if he would want anything back, but the Browns, it was not well received by the Cleveland Browns that he asked to be traded when they gave him an opportunity to come back and make his $18.9 million and be their starting quarterback. So there's a lot of things uh, that, that have gone wrong between these two parties. But if it has gotten to the point where they're not congratulating him for the statue unveiling, I find that to be a sad ending for Baker Mayfield's career here. Because, yeah. right? I mean, do you agree with me, Dan? No, I, I mean, look, look, this would have been a whole episode of Building the Browns. Yeah. That show that, like, it would have been a whole episode of Building the Browns in normal times. But it's just, you're right. I mean, there's, they, they're not treating him like he's a, a member of the, of the organization anymore. No. And I understand yeah. it. That's not, like, I get it. Right, right. But, I, that, mean, I we, mean, that's just what it is. We get it. And, you know, we even asked 
Uh, we even asked Andrew Barry about this at his pre-draft press conference about the, the Baker Mayfield uh, situation and why he said he feels disrespected and all of those kinds of things. Andrew maintains, we were honest, we were upfront, we were candid, we were transparent with the agent, but nonetheless, we understand how Baker Mayfield feels. Why does Baker Mayfield feel that way? Because the truth of the matter is that no matter what you want to say about Baker Mayfield, on or off the field, he gave his heart and soul to the Cleveland Browns. I mean, he gave his heart and soul to trying to get this team turned around. And if you go back and look, and I have been watching some of the, the clips of him from Oklahoma and what he meant to Oklahoma and just that fiery nature and everything that he brings from a personality standpoint, he tried to bring all of that here. He really tried to bring all of that here from the on the field stuff to shotgunning and the beer and winning over the fans. I mean, he really did win over these young fans. He really did. And they needed to bring those young fans back into the fold, right? I mean, they needed to bring these young, young fans in the, you know, 10 to 30 year old range back into the fold. And I think he did that. I think he did a tremendous job of that. And when we're all done with the draft and we go back and do our Baker Mayfield retrospective week, I call it shark bite week. Um, <laughs> when, when we do that, um, you know, I think we'll have an opportunity to cover some of those topics, but it shouldn't be forgotten that he fans used to say like, he gets us and he did. And I don't mean us in terms of me saying us. I mean, the fans saying he gets us. He got Cleveland. And I do find it sad that it didn't work out. I wish for Browns fans that he would have been as good as John Dorsey thought he was going to be. I wish that could have happened. And I do find it sad that you bring in these young quarterbacks and they give their heart and soul and they're ready to save this team. And it just doesn't work out. And I, and I do find it unfortunate that here he is getting this statue unveiled and I haven't even seen one teammate congratulate him. Yeah, it's, um, you know, I, I did a story on, on fans last year when they made the playoffs and like a lot of them, especially the ones that I talked to, well, it was actually a younger fan base. I was, it was a story on fans who had never experienced good Browns football. And Baker Mayfield was the topic. Like it was a whole section. Like they loved Baker. He was going to be their Bernie. He was going to be their, their Brian Sype. Now the thing is, I mean, you mentioned all the stuff he wanted to bring with him to from Oklahoma and that, that attitude and that personality. I mean, the NFL is just different. The NFL mm -hmm. it's honestly, it comes down to, it comes down to talent and guess what? Deshaun Watson is a significantly more talented quarterback than Baker Mayfield. And I think the Browns watched those playoff games and they saw Justin Herbert and well, not in the playoffs, but they saw Justin Herbert all season. They saw Joe Burrow versus, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes. They saw Patrick Mahomes versus Josh Allen. And it's, it's just became clear more and more clear as the year went along that Baker Mayfield is not as talented as those guys. Like he's, mm -hmm fine I, I still think even though I think I was the only one who said he would never play another playoff game I still think he can play quarterback in the NFL I just he's not he needs a lot around him to be successful and Deshaun Watson and Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes Josh Allen all these guys are just at an, a level I don't think he can ever get to 
Yeah. And, and you know what, and that's what this was all about. I mean, that is what this was all about. They brought in Andrew Berry and Kevin Stefanski and did all the things that they've done uh, so that they could go out there and compete with those guys. And the bar has been raised. The bar has been raised just in the last like four years or let's say five years, right? When, when Patrick Mahomes was drafted in 2017 and Deshaun Watson was drafted in 2017, just from 2017 on now, and here we are heading into uh, 2022, their sixth season. In those six years, the quarterback bar has just been raised exponentially. And you have to have one of those kind of guys, one of those elite type of quarterbacks, if you want to go all the way. And that is what they want. And that's what this is all about. They didn't think he was the guy to be able to do that. And look, it was the 27th ranked pass defense in the NFL last year. And how many times did they tell us over and over and over again that Baker Mayfield was healthy enough to go out and win games? They didn't think this was all about the shoulder, the left shoulder. They didn't. They thought it was about more than that. Now, I think there were other extenuating circumstances, too. I really do. I don't think it's easy to go out and play in this league without your right tackle for most of the season. I don't think it's easy to go out and play in this league without your ex receiver, right? I mean, take Stefan Diggs away from Josh Allen, you know, I mean, but even though when he had Odell, he didn't have, it wasn't like that. <laughs> yeah. Right. But, um, you know, take away Kareem Hunt. So, I mean, there were, Plenty of extenuating circumstances, but you've said this many times too, Dan. They're sitting in there studying, pouring over that film, pouring over that film. And they made the decision that they needed a significant upgrade at quarterback to get this football team where they wanted to go. Okay, let's do this. Let's take a break. And then we had some questions about the draft. It is draft week. Like, like I said, it is a weird draft week, but it is draft week. We have some questions about that and a couple other things we're able to get to them. And we are back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, the Hey Mary Kay edition. So Mary Kay, let's talk a little bit of draft here and a lot of folks wondering about the possibility of the Browns moving up, how aggressive they might be. Of course, Andrew told us on Friday that it's unlikely that they could move up, but you know, that little, there's that little tinge of like, maybe in that answer, sort of like he said, they expect Baker Mayfield to be their starting quarterback. Well, there's some wiggle room in there. Uh, which we found they took advantage of. So Mike from Chester, Maryland asks, Hey, Mary Kay, do you think the Browns will trade up to the late first round or early second round if Jahan Dotson or Traylon Burks are still on the board? And I think we can expand it probably beyond those two guys. I wrote on Friday that I think they should make a move up, even if it's a small one, to get a receiver. But we know Traylon Burks was in for a visit at one point. Um, there, there will be guys there most likely in the second round that, that they can get their hands on maybe in the thirties. I don't know if they're going to fall to 44, but do you think a trade-up happens for someone like that? You know what, when Andrew Berry says it's unlikely to happen, I have a tendency to take him at his word for that, but I would do it in a heartbeat. I know you would do it in a heartbeat. You wrote <laughs> that they should do it. If one of those guys is available, I would do it. I would do it. I might even do it for George Pickens. I would do it for Traylon Burks. I would do it for Jahan Dotson. I would do it because I firmly believe that they need another really good 
starting caliber blue chip receiver out there opposite Amari Cooper. And I would just be aggressive and I would go get them. They've got some picks in this draft. They've got a pick or two in next year's draft that they could give up if they had to. If it goes out and gets you what you need, by all means do it. You can fill in those other spots through free agency, through trades. I mean, this is a good front office. They know how to acquire players. So I would do that in a heartbeat. Do I think they will do it? It seems like they're poised not to do that. Now, will they do it if they only have to go up to 36 to do it? Maybe. I also think they should do that. But when you get to the bottom of the first round, you start to see Kansas City and Green Bay down there. And if you're going to do it, you're going to have to jump up over those guys at 29 and 30. What is it? 28, 29, 30? I don't um, have the order in front of me, but yeah, they're, yeah. they're down. So you'd have to climb up ahead of those guys because they obviously need receivers. They might even be trying to move up into the first round to grab some of these guys. But if one of those guys that you really like is down there at that spot, I would do it in a heartbeat. So I don't know why it should be unlikely. I think it should be a definite possibility. I think the the disappointment I would have in this draft is if if they don't trade into the first round on Thursday night, eh, okay, it'll be disappointing, but I won't be like, oh, Andrew Barry, what are you doing? But I do think if they kind of just sit there at 44 and there's like good receivers that come off the board at 36, 37, like really within a range where it wouldn't cost you that much to move up, that would be disappointing. Now, maybe those maybe those receivers don't end up being any good and and it ages well that they didn't do that. But just in that moment, I think I would be disappointed because I just, I still think that receiver position drafting receivers is going to be super valuable moving forward. And this front office has to know that these, these guys are too smart and too forward thinking not to see where that market is going. And that, and there's nothing, by the way, we don't know Amari Cooper very well. We don't know his personality doesn't seem to be like this, but if Amari goes out there and has 1400 yards, what's to say he's not going to say to the Browns, Hey, you got to redo my deal. I'm worth way more than 20 million a year. I don't, again, I don't know that Amari would do that, but you know, there's always a possibility, right. And he would have that right to do it. So, you know, I think drafting a receiver is super valuable. And I think if there's a guy that you really like, who's sitting in the thirties, I I think you've got to be aggressive and go get him. And I actually think we've seen that they will do that. We saw it last year with JOK. Yes. And, and here's the other thing to consider about this too. And I agree with you 100% on all of that. And there are a number of receivers that I like in that next wave, you know, after you get through the, you know, the Garrett Wilson's and the Drake London's and the Chris Olavis. And after you get through that first wave, I, there's a, a whole, there's like six others that I think we all really like, right? I mean, it's the Sky Moores and the uh, and the George Pickens and the Jahan Dotsons and the Traylon Burks and the Christian Watsons and, and that group. And I, I would, I'd go grab one of those guys. But the thing about this draft, and everyone is saying it, nobody knows how this draft is going to fall. It seems to be one of the most unpredictable drafts that we can possibly remember. Like there's such a vast disparity of where some of these big name guys might go. I mean, I've seen, uh, you know, I've seen a guy like Traylon Burks go, you know, in the twenties, all the way into like later in the second round. And, and it's not just him. It's a ton of guys like that. 
So nobody knows how this draft is going to fall. And therefore, that's why I think they should be open and will be open to climbing up for one of those surprise guys that they really like that might just be trickling down into a place where they can go grab them. And of course, when you do trade back up into the first round, you also get that added benefit of the fifth year option. And I think there's some value in that as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So again, especially at the receiver position, that, that mm-hmm. fifth year option could end up being really valuable five years from now to have control that one extra year of cost control. And I just also think like if we're talking edge rusher and we're talking wide receiver, I mean, you wrote about it in your insider this week. Miles Garrett is starting to push for Jadavion Clowney to come back. It, I mean, it feels like Jadavion hasn't signed anywhere yet, which just, I don't know. It feels like he's going to walk back in that door here <laughs> anytime. That's, yeah. that's sort of what it feels like. So, you know, you don't necessarily need to get your next starting edge rusher at number 44. If you're confident, I, I don't know. Maybe we'll have a, a really good answer to that based on what they do at 44 this week. Well, I agree with you there too. I think if they want Jadavian Clowney, they can have him. That's the way that I'm looking at it. I think he's, he's basically uh, theirs for the taking. I think he wants to be back. I think you can tell that by the fact that, you know, he was resharing uh, some of the stuff that, that Miles Garrett was putting out there this week. And it was, I thought it was significant that Miles was lobbying for Jadavian. Because he doesn't do that very often, especially with other pass rushers. Over the years, it's mostly like, no, don't want that guy. I don't want that guy. I don't want that guy. I mean, if he wants Jadavian over there, then I think that's meaningful. I think he understands the value of having him. So I think that's going to happen. I really do think that. And, and I do think that that opens up the possibility of Uh, or maybe firms up the chances of taking a receiver with their first overall pick, which I would do whatever it takes to get the best one you can. Yeah. And you know, it almost felt like when he was posting that stuff, it was like, Oh, we're going to get news here soon that Javion's coming back. So I mean, Mm -hmm. it almost felt like miles kind of was like, Oh, maybe, you know, I don't know. I hate to speculate too much on social media, but it felt a little bit like, well, maybe miles and Javion were texting or something. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I think you can put a little stock in that. I think, and that, and that's also, you know, kind of why I wrote about it. I think you can put some stock in the fact that Miles wants him. Jadavian obviously uh, supports that, and I think so. I just think it's a matter of of dotting the I's and crossing the T's and getting it done. Okay, let's get one more draft question in here. Um, this one comes from Abe in Huntington, West Virginia. Hey, Mary Kay, what would surprise you the most on Friday with the forty fourth pick? I think what would surprise me the most on Friday with the 44th pick, if the Browns did something like, and it wouldn't be the craziest idea in the world, but if they went with like the best center in, in, (laughs) in the NFL, right? I mean, now does that sound, I mean, does it sound crazy? Well, if let's put it this way, you don't realize how important center is until you don't have a good one. Okay but I think they feel good enough about Nick Harris and they feel good enough about Ethan Poaches at this time, at least behind Nick Harris or competing for that job that I don't see them doing that at number 44, but there are a couple of good centers out there. And if they have a center ranked like super high there, I suppose something like that could happen, but that would surprise me. And to a certain extent, probably disappoint me. 
Yeah, I th that's a good one. I, I didn't, I mean, it's so good. I didn't even entertain the idea. So <laughs> taking a center at 44, I think, you know, it's funny and we'll get into this as the week goes along. There's so much like people love to mock Travis Jones to the Browns. And we talked about him on, on the podcast on our round table. If you didn't hear that, go back and, and check it out from the weekend. Um, like if they took Travis Jones, that would just surprise me in the sense that I'd be starting to think, okay, this is going to look a lot more like a three, four defense this year. And that's why they, they went and got, Chase Winovich and why maybe a Nick Benito would interest them. Obviously they couldn't take Jones and Nick Benito, but that th this, this defense would maybe go back to looking a little more like a three, four than what we've seen with the four man front the last few years. Yeah, maybe. I mean, you're right. It's, it's, it's puzzling. A lot of people have them taking a Logan Hall, uh, the defensive tackle from Houston or a defensive tackle there. But, the, but those I guys are a little Logan Hall's a little different. Like he's a little more right. of a, yeah, like him and Perry and Winfrey, but Travis Jones would be the one that would be like, huh, that's weird. Yeah. That, one, that right. one specifically would surprise me. Right. Because he's your traditional run stuffing defensive tackle. Yeah, like the other guys. Tackle. Yeah. yeah. The other guys are versatile, versatile enough uh, to, to rush, to bounce outside. You've got the six, six height with Logan Hall. So you're really just looking at it more globally as like, an amazing defensive lineman who could be the highest rated DL at that spot when your number gets picked. So that one, I mean, that one wouldn't bother me at all, actually. Um, even though if I were doing the drafting somehow, some way, I still feel like your highest rated player at number 44, when all is said and done should be a receiver. I don't know. I just can't come off of that at this point. I think there's still positional value there. Yeah. I think that's high enough that you're, you still have to consider positional value. Right. It's not like a sixth round pick and, oh, this guy's got a bunch of traits. Right. In today's NFL, uh, I would say that that is such a premium position right now. I mean, you've just got to be golden. You've got to be golden for that passing game. Uh, you cannot just have one amazing receiver. You've got to have more than one really, really good one. And I, I would, I would keep my foot to the gas pedal on that. All right, there we go. Our Hey Mary Kay edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. We got a whole week of uh, draft content coming your way here on the pod. Tim Bielik is going to join us uh, tomorrow. He's going to kind of fill us in on some prospects and, and give us some of his draft expertise. And then we're going to try something a little different on draft day, Thursday, um, we're going to do a round table and we're going to make it a war room. We're going to try and come to a consensus on some Browns draft picks. Uh, we're going to use some mock draft simulators. So we'll see how that kind of goes. And then of course we'll have our podcasts as usual, following the draft. We're going to be live during the draft, all sorts of stuff. So make sure you're subscribed to that orange and Brown talk feed, wherever you listen to your podcast, make sure you're a football insider subscriber to cleveland.com slash Browns, the blue banner at the top of the page. Mary Kay, I'll talk to you later. Sounds great.